Good morning. It's Thursday. Um, it's raining. Um, I have just published last week's and I'm hoping you're going to be able to hear it. I will soon be able to see um, how many people have listened to it. So, um, uh, and I'm still working on this, saving it to library and then getting it back out, which is, um, it's fine if you've got all the time in the world to concentrate effectively. But uh, uh, every, I think every single recording I've ever made is stored in the library um and so i have to be really careful about what i am uh, uploading back to the episode um which is not really my forte i just like try to do things in a bit of a hurry uh, to get it done um i think last week i was saying that uh well i know because i've just listened to it um all about uh a bit about the flower club and I just it that's just weighing quite heavily on my mind that um I get that people it's something people have been doing especially there's a whole generation because obviously prior to when uh, floral foam came out it you know people use different methods different mechanical ways to um, display flowers and keep them um you know alive and then the floral foam came in and it changed completely um the flower the floral industry florist industry i guess uh it was probably hailed as some sort of amazing miracle thing um the one thing i do think about that as well is that uh, and obviously you can tell i give this a lot of thought is that uh so i when i made the floral wreath for sue i made it on a willow basin I'm not florist trained and I was listening to a couple of the ladies who they, you know, I think training for floristry is about three years in training. Um, but it's all very generic. Uh, this is one thing I notice when I see people putting things out there, it's very generic. Uh, and because I'm not trained and I do things think, oh, that'll look good. That'll look nice. I like that. Um, it gets quite a nice reaction from people. People are like, that's amazing because I'm not, doing it the way I've not been trained to do it so I'm not doing it the way they're trained to do it the way every florist turns stuff out um and so I think you know definitely people get stuck in a in a way of doing things and uh you know probably all do I mean I'll you know, probably somebody look at my life think well you're just stuck in that rut doing it that way and that is true we get stuck in life rut life's rut and we follow the track and uh we don't jump track very often um so yeah i i think i'm looking so i'm thinking about it a lot thinking about um the way the industry is probably about to change quite a lot uh due to uh, because most people that that start off like growing cut flowers are not florist trained some of them then they do go on to do it, um, but they're not... Most of the people that uh, I, I'm interacting with, if you like, are not. Um, and so I think the whole industry is about to um, change quite a bit uh, over the next few years because of that, which is good. It's a bit of a fresh air, a bit of fresh air, a breath of fresh air, if you like. Um, yeah, but the, the whole floral foam thing worries me. I try well I don't use it at all and when I took my arrangement last night I don't use floral foam it's a lot harder to use without it because you can't get the flowers to sit exactly where you want them all the foliage they tend to bend one way or the other 
so I get why floral foam um, is revered because you kind of get to do thing, get to do the the flowers and the foliage exactly what you want them to do. Um, but I just think there needs to be, and I know there is coming a sort of a big shake up in the industry. Um, but it was interesting that one lady she went and bought uh, <laughs> she went and bought the whole stock of a, a local uh, supplier the whole stock <laughs> that they had in I don't think they had massive but they would might have had a couple of boxes full uh, just in case they banned it and she didn't you know she wanted she wanted to make sure she had enough and her words were until uh, to last me until I die <laughs> I'm like okay that's a bit extreme. Um, and there's not much bending in thought there, but uh, yeah, it, 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 something that is going to occupy my mind for the next few days, I can tell you that, because once I'm on a subject, I'm like thinking it through completely and thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I have to look at the whys and wherefores of all that. So yeah, welcome to uh, episode 42. I know, yes, it is episode 42 this week of our small holding life, warts and all, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. Here's a quick jibber-jabber. It's Thursday afternoon. Um, I've been cutting, well, sorting out flowers and somebody's come to buy some and bits and pieces. But um, uh, my sister, just before the twins arrive in a minute, but my sister became a grandparent and my, my brother-in-law for the first time yesterday. So they have their first grandchild. Um, and they're absolutely over the moon with their little granddaughter. But, um, and I think this is a, a conversation I've had previously before this is random these are my random thoughts of the day so when the baby's born we often we, we always like to know um you know what day it was you know the day it was born on what the weight was uh, what time it was born and uh, whether it's a boy or a girl but the curious thing and I I thought about this when Oscar was born the curious thing is <laughs> this is how random I am um that we like, so we like to know. So, baby was born on such and such a day, uh, weighing this amount. Uh, that's its name. Born at um, you know six twenty two p.m. So, when we're born, you have a definite time that you're born, and when we die, uh, life is pronounced extinct at that time that somebody calls it so that's the time so you have a time an exact time when you're born uh an exact if possible but an approximate time when you die which i find curious that those are noted because at no other time in your life do you ever quote the time you were born do you the actual time of day that you were born it doesn't come up on any form or anything (laughs) I know, I told you it was random, but it just occurred to me, I'm like, what is that all about? It's Friday morning, eight o'clock. What a kerfuffle. Um, I spent hours last night trying to find a way of tracing tracking this phone to see if we could see where it is um it is an iphone but i don't think they find my iphone is turned on and it's really uh, i was just going round and round in circles trying to log in on john's apple id and it wasn't coming up with anything and because i'm trying to do it from my phone keeps wanting to put my details in and 
And then there's the um, whole debacle of the card that's there with it and his driving licence. I said, oh, you've got a lot to sort out if you don't find that. Um, so the card thing, I do internet banking. John doesn't. John has a card just to pay the suppliers and get uh, fuel. Um, he doesn't do it. So if, when I go onto my banking app, uh, even if I go on via the website, it's only got my card there to cancel. So basically what I've done is move all the money out of the account into the savings account by uh, a little bit, just in case something else comes out. Um, because by the time, well, it got late last night and you know what it's like, you spend hours on the phone. So in, the, in effect, the phone is still ringing and nobody's tried to use the card. So I'm guessing my detective skills would say, oh, and by the way, he's lost his glasses as well. So I'm guessing they're all together. So I'm thinking that they are inside somewhere, uh, most likely at the suppliers. Um, though we have rung them and they couldn't see them or hear it or anything, but uh, uh, he seems to think that that's where it is. We've retraced all his steps. He actually went back out in the van last night and drove around all the places that he stopped um, and got out, and uh, there was no sign of it on the ground anywhere. So I don't think anybody's picked it up. I don't think anybody's stolen it out of the van or anything like that. Um, I think it is somewhere that we can't find. <laughs> but what a... Bloody pain in the bum. So this morning he's gone off to the supplier first thing, well, if it opens, and uh, he's taken his passport with him in case he can't find it because he's going to have to go and get another phone because, of course, it's his work phone and everything comes through on that phone. Uh, it's a bit of a lesson, really, because um, it's... Uh, I mean, I'm pretty au fait with all the up-to-date technology. Don doesn't really understand any of it. Well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? I'm like, well, you can't. And that's it. You know, you don't, you don't speak to humans these days. It's just bots. And they just go through the rigmarole of a flow chart. Yes, no, yes, no. Computer says no. Um, and so it's, <laughs> it's a rigmarole, um, which I spent hours trying to sort out, but I couldn't. So um, this morning he's had another good look in the van. Can't find it in the van. So he's going to go over to the supplier, which is where he's gone now. Ah. <sighs> I know I'm going to have to, if he doesn't find it, I'm going to have to sort all this out. I'm going to have to sort out a driving license. I'm going to have to sort out his bank. I'm going to have to sort out a new phone and all of the numbers and everything. And I'm like, I do not have time for this. This is quite a massive inconvenience. So um, lesson one, number one, if you have any way to track your phone, turn it on. Lesson number two, do back up all of your numbers and everything if you're using it for work, because otherwise it's a absolute nightmare. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm like, ah. Uh. So, yeah. So I've been busy this morning already doing the eggs, putting the eggs out, putting some fresh flowers out for sale in jam jars. I'm about to go out and pick some more flowers to take to the sale tomorrow in the hopes that I can um, just raise a bit of awareness there as well as sell a few things, hopefully. It would be nice. Um, and uh, I just, I keep walking back into the back door and next to our, when I walk in the back door, it smells like cider. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I keep thinking, it's cider. It smells like cider. And I was thinking yesterday, the geese were down there chomping on the apples. I was thinking, they're probably drunk half the time because we have this massive cider apple tree um, and the apples are just all over the floor. They're, they're, um, this year, they're a bit too small to do anything. Some, some years, I've put it out there and people come and they lay... Um, tarpaulins and boxes down and then shake the tree and then all the apples fall into the boxes and they take them away and make cider with them. I don't because John doesn't drink cider. Um, 
and I don't drink cider, so I don't bother making it. Um, I think I made it one year, and somebody said, it's a bit rough. <laughs> so I didn't make it again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's, but it absolutely smells like cider out there, and I'm pretty sure that the geese are probably having a whale of a time every day at the pub. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing today. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that he finds this phone when he gets to Grant Stone. Otherwise, we have no idea where else it could be um, at all. Tried to go through every single step that he took. Um, but uh, I don't know, there's no apparent... You know, sometimes you think, ah, God, I know where I left it, I know where I left it. No, that's not coming, it's not coming to him. So hopefully it is on the desk in Grant Stone. And... Uh, he will find it. That's the that's the hope today. Otherwise, my day is going to be um, busy trying to sort things out. And it does, you know, it takes forever and ever to t- <laughs> sort these things out. But uh, hopefully, hopefully it won't come to that. We'll see. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing today. Uh, at some point, I think I'm going to go out with Shelley and Sam and get a coffee somewhere. It being Friday, John's off to a funeral. Um, so... Uh, and the sun is shining today, which is really nice. But um, I'm going to go and cut some more flowers in a minute. So that's my first job. Hello, it's Saturday. It's uh, four o'clock Saturday afternoon. It's raining. It's bonfire night. It's um, the 5th of November. Um, just for any, I was, I was explaining to my um, eldest grandson, Josh, um, that uh, we're the only country um, that's, that celebrates uh, bonfire night, Guy Fawkes night. So I was trying to explain to him it's um, peculiar to the UK. Um, so if anybody uh, doesn't know, anybody listening in a different, a far off land doesn't know, um, we celebrate uh, November the 5th. Guy Fawkes night with bonfires and um, fireworks, um, hot soup, um, sausages, um, and that kind of thing. Um, but it always rains, <laughs> or it's absolutely Baltic, <laughs> one or the other, uh, and it's raining today. We celebrate it. Um, we build big bonfires. And uh, years ago, uh, when I was a kid, uh, you'd have built a guy, which was basically a scarecrow, um, and you'd have trailed it round the village in a in a cart. And uh, it was called Penny for the Guy. And, um, you know, neighbours and that would give you pennies for your guy. And then that guy would go, um, I don't know if we kept the money or whether what the money went towards fireworks or something. And then the guy would sit atop of the bonfire and it would be lit and everybody would shout and cheer. Um, and that is, uh, we, <laughs> in a bizarre way, we celebrate that because somebody many years ago tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. Now that's, uh, depending on your politics, it was either a good thing that he failed or a bad thing, one or the other, but he failed. And I have no idea why we then celebrate the failure of it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, somebody thought, well, that's a good idea for a celebration. Let's do that. So, And it's been going on for years, hundreds of years. So that's what we do on November the 5th, if it's not being down with rain and um, all really cold. <laughs> but uh, and, and fireworks, like every other place nowadays, they just go off all week long, really. But we have some massive um, 
firework displays all around usually and there will probably be lots more tonight so um that's november the 5th um uh, today was also the morning obviously was where i went and did my tabletop sale um which i was petrified about doing i have to say uh but it was really lovely um i got up there and set it all up and the ladies were lovely making tea and they'd made cakes and everything else and there were some other really talented people who'd done um like paint illustrations or uh you know things like that up there so it was um it was lovely it was a lovely morning shelly came and she was my sort of uh, moral support she helped me good job she did actually she's very good at sales which i'm not so when some Somebody looked at one of the reads and said, oh, I haven't got enough cash on me. Um, I, it wouldn't even occur to me. Shelley, quick as a flash, was like, we take card. <laughs> so I'm like, I would, have, I would have missed that sale completely. She hooked it. Um, so, yeah, I did really quite well. Um, and I was really pleased. And people were really interested. And, uh, you know, I talked a lot about flowers from the farm. And, you know, and people were surprised to know that I grow um, fresh flowers here and things which so that's really what I wanted I wanted to get the word out sort of in in the village and I did speak to another lady who's also she didn't know I did it but she's thinking of starting up as well I said oh yeah come on let's do this do this you know come up and talk to me and because the more people growing British flowers the better really um so yeah it was lovely um and it was actually in aid of uh Ukraine and um, so all the donations for the teas and the coffees and the cakes and everything went to, was going to Ukraine. And then we all made a donation from the table top. Um, that, so that was good as well. And uh, I really quite enjoyed it, to be fair. I found out a lot about um, people, how lovely people think my things are and how clever I am, and which doesn't really occur to me. But I also found out that the wreaths are the big seller. <laughs> They are. I did. I so I made the oak bars. They didn't sell at all. Not one single one. Nor the bunches of dried flowers, but the wreaths. Uh, I guess I don't know if it's because it's the time of year. They're not even particularly Christmassy, but they they were the big seller. So um, I definitely have to do more of them. Um, so yeah, it's a, a really interesting learning curve for me, um, and I quite enjoyed it. Once I got into my stride of it, I I sort of got. Um, I quite enjoyed. Talking about, uh, you know, uh, growing British flowers, about sustainability, um, about, uh, you know, being compostable rather than biodegradable, all those sort of things. Uh, so I really quite enjoyed um, talking about what I know, really. <laughs> so it was quite good. Um, and we had tea and cake while we were there and uh, lots of the village came out. And it's, I often think, well, I don't really know anybody in the village. Of course I do, individually. I, I've met lots of them, but collectively. And I, and I, say, I did say, I apologise to the ladies. I said, I don't really get involved too much in the village because I have a busy life and I have a big family. So we have a big family social life. So I often don't get the chance to, to do things. So, But um, yeah, it was all right. It was great. It was nice. It was okay. I enjoyed myself much more than I thought I would. I was really nervous about doing it. But, you know, got to try these things, push yourself a little bit. So I did, and it was fine. On the Saturday evening, we um, went round to my sisters as we usually do. Well, they usually come here or we go there. We alternate it um, for fish and chips. And 
her youngest daughter Anna bought some um, fireworks with her boyfriend Cam, and so they were setting those off in the garden. So we had a we did see some fireworks, and we had a sparkler, uh, which is another another thing that people like to do. Um, the, so um, you might remember way back, my sister took in a Ukrainian um, a Ukrainian lady uh, when the when they first started um, arriving over here, and. Um, she now lives next door to my sister, so um, had to pop next door. She had to pop next door and just sort of say, uh, there'll be fireworks going off. It's only, only fair to warn them because it's not something they would know about. And then all of a sudden these fireworks are going off and it probably um, uh, bring back some not so great memories. Her parents actually live in part of Ukraine that is now occupied by the Russians, um, but they refuse to leave. Um so yeah, I I felt really for all, any Ukrainians that were over here that had been in any kind of shelling, uh, because one, uh, you know unless somebody warned them um, that there would be fireworks going off all week probably, um, it might have been a bit of a a bit of a shock, but that was nice. We saw fireworks and had fish and chips and did a sparkler and that was great. Um, Bruce then took us through, we came home, went to bed, come up, get up Sunday morning. Um, so Sunday morning, we were up bright and early and we spent, um, well, I spent until 10 o'clock um, helping John outside, getting all the pens um, ready. We had to put some um, scaffold netting over the top of the outside run at the front, uh, get the goose pen ready, get the duck pen ready, get the pen at the back ready. Uh, just putting in like wood chip and that on the floor, ready to shut these birds down to house these birds. Um, now, my, I get it. I understand why we have to do it, but I don't understand why all the nature reserves are not then shut and the, you know, um, bird lands are not shut uh, to customers you know uh, public because if we have to shut our birds away and take massively important precautions not to tread um virus into their run then i can't understand why these places are still all open to the public and the public that are going there are not vetted as to whether they've got poultry or not or i don't know if they have to clean their shoes possibly but even then if you're on a nature reserve that's that's just a waste of time if you clean them on the way in. Um, it, it is all to protect the turkeys and the geese and the big poultry for Christmas. Um, but it's been, I said, it's been a month. It's now a month earlier than it normally was. Last year, it was a month later opening up. So if it, that happens again this year, that's seven months in lockdown, which is um, insane and it's not right it doesn't feel right and for that reason you know we probably wind down the chickens and the poultry because can't keep doing it um it, it's not fair on the birds it just you know above and beyond anything else it's not it's just not fair on them so uh that's the state of play as it is so we spent um yesterday morning getting ready i then left because i had to go to my niece's uh baby shower and john carried on sorting out various bits and pieces um i came home mid-afternoon and uh sat down had a cup of tea and a little bit of a rest before going out and um then trying to herd the ducks from their pen into the stable 
and getting uh, all the birds in the right places ready for this lockdown this morning or, or midnight it came into force to be fair uh, the first thing that happened was uh, we, we thought we'll move the ducks um, I don't know if anybody's ever moved ducks but ducks are a bit stupid to be fair um and so we were kind of herding and one went behind the gate that was open while the other the rest of the flock went through the gate but we'll say that's fine we'll come back and get that one in a minute we got them in, through herded them into the stable they all went behind the open door in the stable so two by two i had to hurt sort of gently coax them round the door and into the stable um, and one shot off in a different direction. So then we had to go and look for the duck that had got stuck behind the gate. Now, ducks um, panic when they're not with the flock, which is understandable. Um, what they try, what they tend to do is head for the nearest um, corner that they can find and bury their head in the corner. That's, that's what ducks do. Uh, and it's usually a, a corner where right tucked right behind the great big trunk of a tree where you can't you know, arm's length, they're out of reach. <laughs> so there we are trying to, you know, and you go backwards and forwards, it runs, so it, it'll run out there and it'll run up the fence line and you'll go up the fence line and then it suddenly darts back in the de the other direction again. So off it's gone back, it back to square one. Eventually we got that one duck. Um, I, I managed, to, she, she cornered herself and I managed to grab hold of her and take her to the stable um, and that left the other duck that we at that point couldn't find so I said to John well that's fine we'll shut the stable door she will probably make her way towards where she can hear the ducks so we'll come back later and have a look um, th that left so the the back lot they always go in by themselves anyway the, the difference will just be this time that they won't come out in the morning and the ones that go into the stable they make their way into the stable as well um, we are going to uh, put a lot of those that are in the stable block in the back bit with the others just to make life a lot easier because you need to have like foot baths and um, and things like that so you don't want them all over the place we're trying to collate them all into into condense them into um, appropriate amount of spaces some of them uh, normally when we have old birds that are barren now or and uh, past their best um, and freeloading off of us for food, we tend to just leave them and they live out their days, you know, wandering around the paddocks quite happily. We're not going to be able to do that this year because the price of feed has gone up so much. We can't afford to feed these birds that are uh, not producing anything. Um, it's not cost effective. It's not business-like. And so we will be culling, um, which we've never done before we don't like to do we don't want to do but we have to do um so what they so they are in the stable in the minute to work out how many of them are actually laying eggs now in one stable john says all five of them do so if they five of them do and there are five eggs in there today they will all move over to the other pen and we will leave the other i think there's 11 in the other one um, and we will leave them in there to see exactly how many eggs are produced by all 11 of those. And then I will see which ones I can work out are uh, actually laying. We might do it by, it might take us a couple of days. I mean, at this point, they are all shut down anyway. So it might be a case that we move them over one by one to see which one we think is it might be laying or two or three, maybe. Who knows? The rest, um, I'm afraid, uh, will have their days ended which is not very nice at all
um, not something I look forward to. Um, so that takes us back out to the front ones, which was uh, a rigmarole, to be fair. So when we went out to do this, um, it was daylight, it was dry. Um, so I just, I put on a, like a fleece coat, a fleece jacket. And we went outside and started, did all this again. So then we got to the front now and we, and the hens that would normally just go into their run and get into bed, um, which I think there's 22 of them out there. Uh, we did have 30 when we started, or even 40, but the fox had a lot of those. Um, refused to go anywhere near the run because we'd put the net in over the top. So they were like, no, we don't like that. No, don't know what you've done there, but we don't like it. So there they were, stood in the corner of the paddock. Um, and, and when we tried to round them up, they just scattered. They went into the hedge lines. Um, uh, and uh, so we were trying to round them up. Cue a downpour of rain. Yeah, I know. And by this time, it's sort of getting dusk. Um, and once it starts to get dusk, hens are, well, I mean, they will just sit, but they they will try and roost up in the tree as well. So we needed to get them in before it got too dark for them to see where they're going. So it's absolutely peeing down with rain. Um, I've not got appropriate jackets on. Uh, I'm climbing through the stock fencing into the hedge line to try and get these birds. We, we managed to start rounding them up and, and herding them sort of like in threes, twos, threes, but you'd get three go along there and you get two there and then all of a sudden one would dart back off in the, the other direction. Uh, and so, and the other thing that was happening, we would get them into the run where we think, well, okay, now they're going to go into the hut. No, as soon as we turn our back, they were running back out of the run again. <laughs> and this is how it went. So that way, so then we... Um, one, we, we would get two or three of them in, shut the door behind, try and herd another two or three along through the paddock. And then one would have to run ahead and open the door so that uh, these would then go in. <laughs> I kid you not. It was not funny at all. Not at all. Um, and then at the end of that, so the light Sussex, they would never normally go in there, but that's where they go. That's where we decided they were going to go in there with the rest of them because that we it was easier to put them in there than it was to make their pen um, restriction. You know, following the restrictions because uh, they've got a pen, but the anyway, it was just easier. So there, I think there were there are five light Sussex. So, but they're a lot easier. So they, they will just, um, they're quite heavy birds. And so they will just um, congregate by the fence that they're trying to get through their fence because they can see their pen, their, their original pen. And they're trying, so that wasn't too bad. We managed to um, herd them into, a, into the fence, if you like, and then pick them up one by one and take them over there. So that wasn't too bad. But by the time we finished, we were like soaking wet. I'd got bits of hedge in my hair. Oh, it was just like, I thought I just oh this is just just not make me happy this <laughs> but now of course they're all safely ensconced and they won't be coming out today and it's um it's a sad state of affairs and that will be happening with poultry all around the country um and but the bird flu is getting worse and I get that I get that if somebody you know if a bird has flu avian flu um but it's not presenting very quickly, you know, it hasn't presented yet. 
So therefore the bird hasn't died or whatever. And somebody goes in there and they've got COVID and they don't know they've got COVID. And the two viruses um, do whatever it is viruses do, mutate to survive. That could be devastating for humankind. I get that. Um, and so that's what that's what they're worried about at the minute. That is that is entirely what they're worried about. These two viruses coming together and creating something that nobody is going to be able to stop. But it a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's it doesn't feel good. So but it's what we have to do. It legally, you know, we have to do that. And so that's what we've done. So this morning, John's gone out there and he's, you know, got all his precautions on, on his wellies and everything. And he's gone out and he's let them all out. He hasn't let them all out. He's left them all in, fed them all, bought them all, left them all in. Um, yeah, and that's how it'll be now for months on end, um, which is, uh, in in some ways, it's great because you get the winter and the winter weather's shocking and, you know, it does, you know, they're not all over the place. They're not making a mess everywhere. They're no, there's no mud being churned up by them but on the other hand it's uh it's not great when they're not free free ranging but yeah, that's the way it is so it's dull and overcast this morning um it is uh i've got a lot of things i go to bed thinking i need to do this and i need to do that uh, i do need oh and, and john has hopefully well he's gone straight off to the suppliers this morning to pick up his phone his lost phone which has now been found which is good it takes the pressure off of everything and save me having to do all sorts of jobs that take hours and hours to get done um yeah uh i'm I'm planning on having a little bit more of a gentler week this week i know i've got a lot to do coming up but um with the wreath workshops and everything but uh i'm just planning on sort of going a little bit more slowly this week i did have a busy busy week last week um in every aspect really both um, privately and um, small holdingly and uh, publicly. and So, yes, um, a gentler week. I'm going to have a gentler week this week, she says. I forgot to mention the remaining duck. So, as I predicted, um, when we went back into the stable block, there was the duck sat outside the door of the stable because ducks will migrate towards the chatter of their their flock so um it didn't go back to its original pen it, it it went to where it could hear the other ducks and so it was sat there so that was a that was good i mean if we couldn't find it we'd have had to leave it because it was dark and we'd never find it we used to have a, a great dog um a millie and um she was fabulous we, we had we used to have um some little black east indian ducks um years ago which i absolutely adored um but very often when it came um to dusk you could never find them and uh then when it got dark you know it was even harder because they they were dark as well and I used to just say to her go find them go find them and she would find them and then we would herd them back but um but uh the dogs that we've got now they've not that I don't know why she used to do that just something we started doing and she cottoned on really quickly and um We've tried it with these dogs. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, but she was a great little dog for finding our ducks in the dark. But, uh, yeah, that one's safely ensconced now. And so um, that's all good. I've literally, um, John's just phoned me from his phone um, to tell me the story of his phone. <laughs> so, 
So this is what has happened. So um, he, he went, well, I said, he went back to all the places and we thought, because um, the supplier phoned and said um, that they'd found his phone. So we thought that it was um, at the suppliers where he'd been uh, before he then went on to a job and then went to the spa shop and then came home. Um, but no, it it turns out that uh, he, a lady was walking her basset hound um, outside the spa shop on, I think on the Saturday morning, and um, her dog found it in the grass and then handed it into the shop. But um, he'd been into the shop and asked if anybody had handed it in, but that was prior to when it had been found. But the, the chain of events went like this. So the young lad that works in the suppliers is friends with the, one of the girls that works in the spa shop. So when John had been there and he said, oh, this is where I've been, he messaged her and he said, if anybody um, hands a phone in at the bar shop can you let me know because it belongs to one of our customers and so on the Saturday morning when the lady handed the phone in into the shop the girl at the shop then messaged the lad at the supplier and then they phoned here to leave a message to say it had been found you've got to love community haven't you I mean when it works like that it is fabulous um and John's chuffed a bit to have his phone back and he's going to um He's going to get a card and some chocolates and leave it at the shop for the lady that found it because that saves us an awful lot of headache. Um, but yeah, thank goodness for that dog. <laughs> Cue the rain, just as I went out to feed the birds and collect the eggs and shut the geese away. Um, bloody typical. <laughs> uh, it's hard enough as it is with the foot dips. Washing your wellies before you go into the foot dip, then into the foot dip, then into the pen. Um, without chasing rogue birds around. So the, the goose had got out and flown all the way, had come all the way down here. I was trying to get back in the stable where they'd been sleeping. But um, And then also, when I went into one of the stables, another one of the a little one, one of the chickens just snuck out. I couldn't even stop her. <laughs> and then I was trying to race around, trying to get her back in. So it's like, oh, well, this is, this is, oh, pain in the bum. Um, all the while it's peeing down with rain. And then... John come home and shout, do you need a hand? Yes, I do. I do indeed, because I <laughs> does not make me happy. Slopping around in the mud, putting my feet in the feet dips, making sure I've got my wellies clean, then into the foot dip, then trying to chase bloody birds around. Um, and then I've got to come in and make the dinner. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is why I don't like it. Sorry, miserable me. It's half past eight, Tuesday. I have just been up and let the geese out because John did the birds this morning. Totally forgot to let them out. Luckily, I noticed that they uh, he hadn't done it when I went out to put the eggs. <laughs> I've just let those out. I have to remind him that he needs to remember the geese in future. Um, most of the talk at the minute, I've got... Uh, so I've just um, put my wellies on. I'm going to go out and just do a bit in the greenhouse and things like that. But most of the talk... Um, at the minute is the COP27. Um, I don't even know what you'd call that. COP27 meeting, uh, you know, jolly, big drinks party, lavish foods. I don't know. I don't know what goes on there. Never been, obviously. But um, 
to me, it's like uh, I've been asking and I've been trying to find out what exactly have they achieved in the 27 years that they have been meeting up. Um, And uh, I think it's called the Conference of the Parties or something like that. Um, (laughs) And uh, the answer I keep coming up with in my head is 27 years later, we should see massive differences in our world. And we don't, not really. I mean, they may be subtle. Um, and obviously some are achieving better than others. I think Australia is the only country that has hit one of its goals. Um, the rest of them are severely lagging behind. Hasn't been made any easier with the pandemic and the uh, and Russia invading Ukraine, obviously. But I think where, what, you know, you're all flying there to this place once a year. Are you just flying there to be seen? Are, what are you actually achieving? Because um, I would like to know. I would like to know what are you achieving? And the other thing that always springs to my mind is how can anything be achieved when um, all of these people that are going there are, di- are are different governments that are changing it. You know, in the 27 years that they've been going, that's a lot of changes of government in a lot of countries. And so is everybody on the same page? Are these pledges being made and followed through by each successive government? And if not, why not? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on my high horse about this one. I just think, what are what have you achieved? What are you achieving? We we the people, we would like to know. But then I also think <clears throat> I don't think we can leave it up to these lot because, you know, they they're just looking for um uh, manifesto bullet points that they can put on their bits of paper for re-election as far as I can see. Well, maybe. I mean, there probably are some very very genuine people, very genuine countries. But on the whole, they're not really achieving that much. This would just be a massive, um, a massive change in 27 years. And uh, I don't really see much of it. Maybe it's because we're entrenched in it all the time. Maybe it's because we didn't, we now have the messages all the time about, you know, lowering carbon footprint and um, getting the emissions down. And maybe it is happening, but uh, on the surface of it, you can't really see much of that which I think is um, shocking, really. And again, it, that's why I think it'd always come back down to a grassroots thing. I would always go back to grassroots. And, uh, the people at the top are never going to change anything for the people at the bottom. It's got to be the people at the bottom refusing to um, partake in something that makes the people at the top uh, stop and think, well, actually, this is not going to work then if nobody's going to do that. That's how, that's my logic. I don't know if that's right, but to me, that seems how, um, how it would work. It's, uh, it's not going to work from the top down. It's never going to work from the top down. It has to be from the bottom up, always, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's COP27. Um, uh, we've all seen the news of our various country leaders uh, doing handshaking and all that sort of thing. But will they actually achieve much um, at all? You know, I can't, I, I would just liken it to like, you know, if you had a family gathering, right, we've all, we've all turned up to talk about this one particular thing 
and we're talking about every other subject under the sun and we never actually get anything achieved because, uh, you know, we've spent too long talking about other things and not really focusing on what is the main important thing, which is our climate. Because if we want a planet that our children and our children's children and their children are going to be able to live in, we need to do something fast. And it's not happening fast enough, is my opinion. It is not happening fast enough. And we are all now seeing the the climate change and the devastation that it brings, the problems, the devastation that it is bringing. And we are still not putting our foot on that brake. Oh, that seems a bit harsh yesterday, doesn't it? But I I can't tell you how desperate I feel about the future of this planet for the, the next few generations. I, I, I think it's going to be a tragedy. Uh, really, I do. And um, unless we do something really drastic, it, it's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of people all over the world to live on this planet Um <clears throat> and even in the UK, you can see the you can see the impact that climate change um, is having on the planet. Um, my personal opinion is that some of it is uh, perhaps a not natural cycle, but undoubtedly um, there is a massive impact that man has on the climate. Probably, it, I, I mean, I would stick my neck out and say it's probably about eighty twenty percent. Uh, you know, with with 20% of it being maybe part of a natural cycle. I don't know. I can't prove that. I have no idea. But, um, you know, the planet's gone through cycles of uh, hot and cold before. So, um, but undoubtedly, uh, we are not helping at all in any way, shape or form. Um, and, you know, with the emissions that we're pumping out the whole time, uh, it's not doing any, any favours for the planet. And, and I really, and I really um, worry. And my brother said to me, "Try to be a bit more optimistic." And I thought, "Well, okay, try to be a bit more optimistic, Dawn." But, and you know, and, and the thing is, is uh, in a couple of hundred years' time, it's not going to even affect me because I won't be here. But I just feel so much for the people that are going to have to try and live in these extreme weather patterns um, and things like that. Maybe they'll adapt. Who knows? I mean, they'll have to adapt some way, one way or another. But um, I just feel that I just feel the weight of the responsibility of that, I suppose, and uh, um, just can't do anything more, really. Well, we can always do a bit more. <clears throat> can't do anything about it globally, um, which is uh, which weighs heavily. It does weigh heavily, I have to say. Um, I'll try to be a little bit more lighter about it, but uh, you know, I think you've got to have some people who who see the tragedy ahead, see it. And for most people, don't. They don't see it at all, I can tell you, um, just by the looks on their faces when you're talking to them. I don't I don't lecture people about things. I don't sort of... But I do sort of say, well, this is what I think, and people look at you as if you're mad. But I'm not mad. <clears throat> it's, it's heading for um, very turbulent and um, difficult times ahead um, in the distant future. Um, that said, I have been, uh, doing other things. That doesn't consume my whole, 
um, thought patterns. So those were quite a lot. Sometimes every single subject seemed to um, come back to the same thing. Uh, so yesterday I did, I was in the greenhouse. I did quite a bit in the greenhouse. I spoke to my brother on the phone for an hour. Uh, well, he messaged me, uh, you know, messenger, FaceTime. And um, he lives in Australia and they were having a lunar eclipse. So I spent most of the time looking at a blank screen, a dark screen where he was trying to show me the moon. <laughs> and he walked up to the end of his road and had a look and then he came back and then he set up his telescope. And uh, to be fair, through the telescope, beautiful shot of, the, of, a, of a red moon. But um, yeah, so that was, that was funny. Uh, and then I uh, came in, I went off to have my hair done, <clears throat> my, uh, my stepsister-in-law's, and I spent um, a few hours there, a couple of hours there, having tea and a chat and a catch-up. And I came home and Shelley uh, and the kids were here, and then it was tea time, and then that's the day done almost because <laughs> it gets dark quite early. Um, I did spend, I have been spending, over, not well the entire time, but a bit of time over the... Um, last week i suppose looking at uh, marketing as uh, it's not my skill i'm not good at selling myself let alone you know i'm not there's never been a, yeah i'm i'm your wallflower you know i'd rather shrink into the background if we're in in a room full of people i'd rather be stood at the back um where people can't see me <laughs> i'm not i'm not one of those that are at the the forefront of it unless unless I am supposed to be which is like when I was doing pantomime and I was on stage but even then I'm a different character I'm somebody else I'm not me so it doesn't matter uh the one thing so yeah so I've been working a little bit on them trying to uh learning a little bit about marketing and how that goes <clears throat> and um and then it it comes <laughs> See, it's all intertwined. And then it comes back to me, you know, that I, I apply that to um, things I see in life. And the one thing we've got at the minute is, uh, or we you know, constantly have them all the way through, is protesters um, gluing themselves to, you know, the road or the bridge or something like that. And um, again, and it's always been my opinion, I, I'm not an activist, um and I, do, I, that you, I would not be somebody who went and joined, you know, um, uh, Extinction Rebellion to glue myself to anything. And the reason for that is, and now, and I can see it even more now, is that I don't believe that uh, basically disrupting people's lives and upsetting people is getting the message across. Uh, it, it, I don't even think it's getting, it'll get the message across to the government. I don't, really think it will achieve anything you the only way you can achieve anything is by intelligent dialogue um and and the reason i say that and i lump that in with marketing is because you wouldn't aggressively negatively market your goods and so i what why are you negatively aggressively trying to get your message out there you feel that's your last your last stand and if you feel that that's your last stand then you, um, you, you know, where, why have you tried to engage in dialogue with a lot of people? Uh, intelligent dialogue. Um, this is how I see it. I don't know. You, somebody may be part of that rebellion. I don't know. Give me a different point of view. I, but I, my personal opinion is to gently and intelligently educate people is the way forward. And they will also then be on your side. They are not going to be on your side if you have prevented them from getting to the airport to get their flight back home 
to Australia, which is uh, kind of what happened to a friend of mine who had come over. She hadn't been over for a few years and she came over to visit her ageing mum. And, um, she, you know, she had to... It was difficult for her to get back to catch her flight. She did catch her flight in time, luckily, but it was uh, difficult for her to get back. You're not going to make friends and get people on your side like that ever. And that is... It does impact on a huge amount of people when you close the roads. Um, and it has a... Um, you know, the impact rings, they they reverberate out. Um, that's just how... That's how I see it. I don't see that it's... Uh, it's a, a great way to raise um, any issues at all. Um, having said that, if you look back in uh, history, I suppose, there are have been sort of protests that do change things. So maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I'm always willing to accept that I'm wrong. Um, that is just how I see it. And I, how it's not how I would go about it, but... Uh, you know, who knows? Anyway, today is, uh, at the minute it's dry, it's dank, it's damp outside and dank and it's dry and it's overcast and I don't know if we're going to get some more of these heavy, I mean the rain bursts that we have are absolutely torrential, they're just absolutely torrential which is, you know, another difference in our weather. The temperatures, the nighttime temperatures are um, equaling the daytime temperatures that we would have averagely and so the av the daytime temperatures are higher than average in fact i think come thursday we're about to um to hit a record temperature for november um which is just like we did in um in july with even the, the above 40 and we're going to go above the the uh well record temperature we're going to go above the temperature that we've ever been before in november which, on the one hand, is great because it means we're not got a cold winter, and considering the price increase of the um, uh, electric and things is is a good thing, sort of. But on the other hand, it's not really a good thing. Um, we're used to very, you know, having cold, definite cold weather, and uh, we haven't even had a frost that's killed on anything off yet. It hasn't killed off the dahlias or anything because it's just it's just not happening. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see how this winter pans out. Um, and we will all adapt. We will adapt, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it is definitely different and quick, and it's very, it's been very quick. I mean, I've said in the last, you know, I've said in before in the podcast about the last, I don't know, five six years. I can see the change happening, but in the last um, two years, I think it's changing rapidly, rapidly changing. And if it carries on at that speed, I don't know where we're going to end up, to be fair. It's, um, it's uh, who knows, who knows. Uh, so today, um, I picked some, um, I just had to Google them, acorn squash. I just got two acorn squash that are grown. So I picked some of those. And I also uh, got some, I can't remember what the squash is in the back. So, so I might make some big batches of um squash soup pumpkin soup squash soup i've got a pumpkin here as well a small one so i might make some of that i'm definitely going to put the slow cookers on today so i had them on for a while make some batches of something that would be quite good um shelly did say yesterday that she was going to go out for a walk today with samantha so i might do that see if i can look forage for some fur cones and things for the wreath workshops um 
I've, I've got loads to do in the garden, to be fair. I've got to move my Alstroemeria indoors because they don't like the cold over winter. So I need to move those indoors. And once I've moved them indoors into the big polytunnel, they're probably going to stay there. Um, they're a great flower because they carry on uh, flowering for, for weeks and weeks. And interestingly enough, I was listening to a podcast <coughs> for, with, um, uh, I think his name's Ben Crossland, and he... Um, well, the lady that does the podcast roles, she calls him Alstromeria Ben, because that's what their family do, and that, and they, and they're unusual in the fact that they have um, grown them since after the Second World War, when there were kind of like resettlement schemes going on. Um, his granddad or his great granddad um, opted to. Uh, they got some land um, down in, I think it's Cornwall Way, but I'm not quite sure, um, and. Uh, they thought, right, what can we grow? What's easy to grow or easy-ish? What doesn't take, you know, what likes the heat? What doesn't take too much water? Um, and they opted for Alstroemeria, and, uh, which is, um, oh, I've forgotten what it is now. It's not prairie lily, Persian lily, Peruvian lily, Peruvian lily. And, um, and that's what they grow. And they, so multi-generations have been growing them, but he's done, you know, he, she, he was a great, guest on the podcast talking all about the flower industry and how it's gone over the years for for that industry um that is largely ignored by the government uh and defra and everybody else you know the flower industry is pretty much is it, it you do come under the um animal and plant health but uh there's not a lot going on with any other department you know probably if you said to somebody you're a flower farmer that like, what's one of them um so yeah that's a great uh a great podcast i was listening to while i was weaving um uh willow reed the willow reeds the other day and uh yeah it's just a good uh a good thing to to listen to lots of different things and lots of different opinions but he you know he was really um sort of saying about the whole you know climate change and everything else is uh is really affecting everything we do well, it's going to, isn't it? Because that, that's, you know, we're all, we're all connected. Everything is connected. And uh, um, just some of us, some people just don't see the connection. And so don't think it applies to them, but it really does. While I'm being a, a negative ninny, I might as well carry on. <laughs> I was going to say negative Nancy, but I don't want to offend anybody who's called Nancy because that's quite a pretty name. It's my nan's name. And she was not negative. Um... Uh, one, um, I, I can't remember what I was watching or listening to, but the um, subject of silver nitrate came up um, and to do with flowers, the flower industry. And um, I, knew, I know that they dip uh, flowers, uh, but I didn't actually know what they dip it in. And I, I know that there's a lot of chemicals used in um, flowers that come from exotic places, um, because I've seen the videos of the poor people that have to work in these places and they uh, basically they've got full PPE on uh, while they're spraying all of these flowers. Um, and then, uh, I can't even remember where it was mentioned, but silver nitrate came up and I thought, well, what is, what is silver nitrate? Then I'm going to have a look, I'm going to see. Because it sounds like it's like, you know, it's silver, can't be that harmful, can it? But So then what I found was that... Um, Silver nitrate is uh, an inorganic compound um, which is toxic and corrosive and it is used as a pesticide. 
um, to prevent uh, premature shrinkage or dropping of the flowers or blooms. So uh, that's why they use, that's why they dip. And I've, I, you know, I've seen the videos where they've got these flowers that are going to be exporting. They're all dipped in these massive vats um, to prevent, uh, well, to stop any, I suppose, tropical pests or diseases, for one thing, coming coming over and uh, to to prolong the life of the flower which is the other thing um which seems like it, crazy it's crazy and uh it also um is something they use to help prevent gonorrhea so that's how you know, sort of <laughs> that's what it's like um the reason that uh it crossed my mind is well, uh, there was a conversation at the sale um the other day between another lady who, who um, a customer who stood there, and she actually gets it, you know, she gets it like I get it. And another lady who said, well, it doesn't really matter because these flowers are coming over on um, passenger planes as freight. So, you know, the plane is already flying. Well, yes, if you look at it like that, the plane is already flying. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the flowers are added as freight, so you could sort of say that it that was fine, but it's the whole industry around it that is um, that is also impacted uh, by chemicals. You know that they that these chemicals that they're dipped in, and then you know then I start thinking oh, I don't know I don't know what I'm on, but then I start thinking about all these poor people that work with these flowers, <laughs> you know, um, and that includes florists. Um, that have been working with these cut flowers over here for years and years, you know, 50 years, 60 years or more. And constant high exposure to silver nitrate causes eye damage. Um, it's, an, it's an irritant, it, uh, you know, and so it's not, it's not good for us. And like, you know, so when somebody, you know, a bride's got this beautiful bouquet of blooms and she sinks her nose into it, which I've said before, but I didn't actually know why. She's just sinking her nose into a, you know, a bouquet full of chemicals, really. And the, the roses don't have any smell because they've been stripped of any smell um, because, of, uh, because of what they've been dipped in to start with. Um, so, yeah, it, it was quite... I thought when I heard it, I thought, oh, I'm going to look that up because that's the kind of thing I do. Look it up, think, right, I want to know about that. And then when I want to know about it, I want to know a bit more. Um, the other thing I found that it's, uh, and, and I tried to find out here in the UK if that's the same, but in, in America, in the, in the USA, it's, it's unregulated in their water sources. Now, over here, I tried to just scan a little bit to see if it is regulated, but I just keep coming up with nitrates rather than specifically silver nitrate. However, what I do know is that if there are... Um, big spills of it they have to alert uh the water companies so um there is that at least but and that's just kind of one one chemical that they use and i i believe from what i read and i quickly read i wasn't interested in that side of it but i think it was used in photography as well um prior to digital photography but then you get onto the digital the whole digital thing and even just by making this podcast you know i'm causing um emissions because the the giant uh computers and things that that are needed to um run the internet let's say on a basic level it, that is massive and all of the you know the 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 parts that go into making that um the mind part mind stuff um it's just never ending really i need to, i really do actually need to stop thinking about it because it's just going to tie me up in knots i think 
but yeah for anybody um so I, I, literally i was thinking well okay i know that the i know that the flowers are um dipped in chemicals and sprayed heavily because i've seen the, the youtube videos that have been taken um and but what what chemicals are they actually and then the name came up the other day i think it was, um it was silver nitrate and so I thought, well, i'm gonna have a look and see what this silver nitrate actually is but um and it can cause uh, you know if you're constantly um subjected to it, it can cause you to turn gray or blue kind of all over uh it's not great it's not a great uh thing to be using so another good reason anyway to um to buy flowers that are locally grown uh without the aid of uh, chemicals, any chemicals whatsoever. There you go. Good morning. It's Thursday, eight o'clock, um, and I'm just about to listen through this before I publish it back out. Um, yesterday, well, I went on a massive walk, smashed all my um, steps in one <laughs> one session. Uh, <laughs> doubled up my um usual exercise uh target um went with Shelley and Sam and we walked all the way around the perimeter we call it the three bridges walk around the perimeter of the uh the local air base there's a there's a pathway all the way around the perimeter um which has lots of hedges and things like that so and and I, and I, I think it took us about an hour and a half to walk there and round and back again and um so I was on the lookout for um, foliage or interest for wreaths and things like that, um, as well as getting some exercise. So that was good. Um, managed to get a few dried bits. A lot of the, uh, I can't pick the um, the greenery yet because it's a bit too early for the, the workshops. But anyway, so I'll get on to what I was going to say. So do you ever have that feeling that the, the cosmos is listening to you? <laughs> Well, that's kind of happened to me, right? Because um, I, you'll listen to my last two two bits and uh, it, uh, it's all very depressing. I apologise for that. Um, you know, saying about the, neg the negative side of what is happening to our climate. And, uh, and then all of a sudden a post popped up on, and I can't find it again now because I was going to try and quote it, but um, a post popped up where somebody had put up a piece that was, I think it was from The Guardian. And... Um, in this piece, they'd written that, you know, we shouldn't be um, negative about the the climate. Um, yes, it, we know it's happening and everything, but uh, we shouldn't be passing on um, negative information about what is happening. We should be looking at it more positively. And, uh, you know, and that's a bit like what my brother said, you know, you need to be a bit more optimistic. It, optimistic. And I thought, when I first read it, I thought, oh, yeah, I've got this really wrong, you know. Um, and I felt a bit like, well, yeah, no, I've got it totally wrong. It's not the way I should be doing it. But then I sort of, um, I went to bed and slept on it. And I woke up this morning and I thought, no, no, that's not right. I don't think that's right at all. And I don't agree with that. And the reason being, because it... If I was trying to equate things to something I can understand and recognise, bring it back down to a level that I uh, can equate to. So this is how I looked at it. it. If I went around, so if somebody said to me, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. 
but actually I'm not really uh, actually I I'm, I'm struggling you know and if I I might you know I might be struggling mentally I might be struggling physically I might be struggling emotionally and I said to you know and somebody said well how are you doing you know and I'm like oh no fine I'm fine I'm absolutely fine um they're gonna go away thinking I'm fine uh they're not gonna they're not gonna think anything else of it and they're just gonna you know get on with the rest of their day if I turn around and said, well, actually, I'm really struggling here. They're like, oh, tell me how you can, how I can help you. That's how I've equated it. So I then did a complete U-turn on that thinking. I thought, no, that, you, that piece is not right, um, <laughs> in my opinion. It's not right to just uh, be um, spread positivity about what is going right with the climate. I think you do have to acknowledge what is going wrong so that people can say, well, actually, yes, I can see your point. What shall we do about it? Um, so yeah, I was like yesterday, I was ready to delete what I'd written, I'd, I'd spoken and said, and then I slept on it and I woke up. So I thought, no, no, that's not right. I don't, that is not how I see it should be. So I've changed my mind completely. See how we're very uh, impressionable. Um, but you do need to think about some things when you've read them, always delve into everything and see, but yeah, I thought I'd leave you with that. Um, because I think, yeah, no, I think that we don't we shouldn't say everything is fine uh when it's not because uh that way people can turn around and say well okay it's not fine what should we do and uh that's the whole point of it really that's the message so thanks for listening to this um and i will catch you again next week today i've got quite a bit on uh in my to-do list in my head i've got some um some cuttings to plant up i've got some plants that i want to dig up before the bad weather comes the alstroemeria and put those in the polytunnel um, because they won't uh they won't really survive any harsh weather if we get a beast from the east or something like that they won't survive and um I've, i sort of invested you know sort of not masses but probably about 20 30 pound in those so um i don't want to lose them it, just because i've left them out over winter and didn't have time to get them in so i'm gonna do that um it's supposed to be uh warm today and um, i have to say i've already taken the eggs out and i'm just like in a long sleeve t-shirt it's it's mild out there um so yeah I was, uh, hopefully we won't get any rain and it'll be a, a pleasant day to to work outside today hopefully see you next week or catch up with you next week bye for now